I want to first start off by saying this. Um, for all of you guys who are in the West Coast, I have a new respect for y'all. I have a new respect for your commitment to the read and rant. New respect, completely new respect. Um, I had to get ready this morning to get ready to go to do the read and rant with you all. And um, it was last night that I was posting to my patrons. For those of you who are uh, my uh, Patreon supporters, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Really appreciate all you do. And I think you know Patreon is going to be where I um, uh, spend more time, just personal, closer, kind of communal, you know, bonding and relationship and connection. Um, and I think partly because I can, there's more, there's a lot less people there um to to manage and so anyway i just love the community that we're forming there so i was keeping you guys updated every step of the way when i finally got here i'm in the west coast y'all i'm in san diego right now and thank god i found a place where we can we have some internet we've got some signal so i'm able to do the read and rent with you guys i won't be able to stay for super long because i know um this facility people will start flowing in pretty soon um but i have a new respect let me just say that right now i have a new respect for all of you all of you who are in the West Coast, I have respect for y'all. Um, I knew your, I, I understood your pain, but now I know your pain. You know, like I've, I've experienced your pain to come and to, to join us in the read and rant. All of y'all from West Coast, from I'm in San Diego. So all my LA people, all my Washington people, all my people out on the West Coast who, who, who attend regularly. I have a new respect for y'all. You guys wake up at five in the morning to come and do a read and rant. That is amazing um, that you guys commit to that on the regular. And so anyway, uh, I I got here around uh, 9 a.m. Uh, uh, West Coast time. And so um, I wasn't able to do the read and rant with you all, but I was keeping all my patrons updated. And so anyway, I just wanted to uh, and I also told us I'm going to make every effort possible to continue on with the read and rant. And if, you know, if I got to wake up, you know, extra early, I have no problem with that at all. You guys do it. Some of you guys do that every day. So why not? Why shouldn't I do it? Right. Like, oh, why shouldn't I get up early, super early um, to do it with you guys? And the other thing is, is that um, I want to make sure I, you know, we stay on schedule and remain committed. So thank you so much, Kay. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for so much for the badge. Thank you guys. All you guys who are gifting and supporting. Um, there's some of you who are gifting me on, on on all the different platforms. Thank you so much. The one thing that, and I'll share it right at the end, but I won't. I only spend a few minutes today reading. But the one thing I, I want to share at the end is uh, um, just our vision for what we're doing moving forward. And I'm grateful, super, super, super grateful that there are those of you who have already started committing to being a patron of the ministry of what we're doing here, taking part in what we're doing here as we engage moving forward. So if you're interested in supporting and you want to become a patron, it's with a $10 a month support, you make this possible. And I just believe that the Lord is going to provide for us in this way that we can spend more time committing to creating more content, to continue to create more content that's going to disciple more sessions, um, more live sessions, uh, more Bible studies. That's something I want to do more of, more live Bible studies, that sort of thing. And so um, for those of you who are supporting, thank you so much because you make that possible. And also because you're supporting, the extra bonus is going to be starting next week, not this week, but starting next week, even though the Reen and Rants are not available to most people 
about three months from now, two two months from now, this particular reading rant that we're doing right now won't be available for a while. But for those of you who are uh, patrons, you're going to be, be able to get the content same day as well, the audio content uh, same day as well. So anyway, um, it's all available on Patreon. If you want to learn how to become a supporter, how to support the ministry, just go to the link in the bio and in the bio, you'll see uh, become a patron. And that's what we're praying for right now. We're praying that the Lord provides us with certain thresholds of patrons that will allow us to be able to expand what we're doing, um, especially as I'm moving away from um, the other work that I'm doing. Your support allows me time now to be able to let go of some other things and to simply focus on that particular thing, to focus on equipping you encouraging you, discipling you, and just teaching you in the scripture and in the word. And I believe it's going to, it's a powerful endeavor for us all as we uh, move um, uh, and navigate through the season. So anyway, guys, uh, I want to get started. And uh, for those of you who have been here, you know what we do here. This is the read and rant. This is what we do. This is the read and rant. We spend about 20 to 30 minutes reading. Today will be a little bit less. And then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes. You know, you guys get to hear me rant. And that's kind of what it looks like um, every day. And the, the whole purpose of this is to journey through the entire scripture, to hear what the Lord is saying today, um, to learn how to meditate through scripture, and to learn how to grow in scripture, how to uh, hear from God through scripture, and then to also get at least an understanding of what the purpose of scripture is. And so this is not a Bible study, but it's more of a meditation. And that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. And so I'm just happy that you guys are all here. I'm glad that you guys are all flowing in. Uh, West Coast people, I'm here with you now. I'm here with you now, y'all. <laughs> I'm here with you all, okay? It's 5.08 over here. So I know your pain now, all right? I know your pain. And I'm just glad that you guys, man, I got a new appreciation for y'all. Um, so yeah, let's get right to it. Uh, if my Bible would allow me to. We're going to get right to it in the reading of Scripture. And we're going to go to 2 Samuel. And we're going to read chapter 3. 2 Samuel chapter 3. So I'm going to read. And then, you know, you guys can go ahead and read along with me as we engage in the scripture. So go ahead, second Samuel chapter three. And are you guys all there? All right, cool. Everybody's there. All right, perfect. So second Samuel chapter three, and we're going to read verse one. And this is what it says. Verse one. Oh, let, let's actually, let's pray before we get started. Father, I thank you for this time. Father, I thank you that you've allowed us this opportunity to come here and to gather together, Lord. <laughs> We're in different locations, different time zones, Father. We're in different corners and areas of the world, and yet you've given us the privilege to come together in the reading of your word. Father, we thank you for that. We glorify you for that. So as we come together, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today. Speak to us, Lord God, and speak into our hearts. Reveal to us the goodness of who you are. Reveal to us your plan, your mission. Convict us where we need conviction. Correct us where we need correction. Build us up where we need to be built up. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's get right to it, family. And it says this, Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Sons were born to David in Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon by Ahinoam, 
and the Jezreelites. His second was Chileab by Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. Third, Absalom, the son of Machah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. The fourth was Adonijah, the son of Higith. The fifth, Seph, Sephthiah, the son of Abital. And the sixth, Ethriam, by David's wife, Eglah. These were born to David in Hebron. Now it was so, while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul. And Saul had a concubine, whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Then Adam, Abner became very angry with the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Today I show loyalty to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hand of David, and you charge me today with a fault concerning this woman? May God do so to Abner, and more also if I do not do for David, as the Lord has sworn to him, to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul, and set the throne, set up the throne for David over Israel and over Judah, from Dan to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. Then Abner sent messengers on his behalf to David, saying, Who is whose is the land? Saying, Make your covenant with me, and indeed my hand shall be sorry, shall be with you to bring all Israel to you. And David said, Good, I will make a servant a covenant with you. But one thing I require of you, you shall not see my face unless you first bring Michal, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. So David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife Michal, whom I betrothed to myself for four hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, from Paltiel, the son of Laish. And her husband went along with her to Barium, weeping behind her. So Abner said to him, go return. And he returned. So Abner had communicated with the elders of Israel, saying, In time past, you were seeking for David to be king over you. Now then do it. For the Lord has spoken to David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and the hand of all the enemies. And Abner also spoke in the hearing of Benjamin. Then Abner also went to the hearing of David in Hebron, all that seemed good to Israel and the whole house of Benjamin. So Abner and 20 men with him came to David at Abner. And David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. Then Abner said to David, I will arise and go and gather all Israel to my lord, the king, that they may make a covenant with you, and that they may reign over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in place. At the moment that the servants of David and Joab came from a raid and brought much spoil with them, but Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away. And he had gone in peace. When Ab, sorry, when Joab and all the troops that were with him had come, they told Joab, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king and sent him away, and he has gone in peace. 
Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why is it that you sent him away? And he has already gone. Surely you realize that Abner the son of Ner came to deceive you, to know you're going out and you're coming in, and to know all that you are doing. And when Jacob had gone from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner, who brought him back from the well of Sirah. But David did not know it. Now when Abner had returned, sorry family. Now, now when Abner had, let me go back, verse 27. Now when Abner had returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him privately and there stabbed him in the stomach so that he died from the blood of Asael, his brother. Afterward, when David heard it, he said, My kingdom and I are guiltless before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner, that it rest on the hand of Joab and on all his father's house, and let there never fail to be in the house of Joab one who has a discharge, or is a leper who leans on a staff or falls by the sword or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner, because he had killed their brother, Asael, at Gibeon in battle. Then David said to Joab, and to all the people who were with him, tear your clothes, gird yourselves with sackcloth, and mourn for Abner. And King David followed the coffin. So they buried Abner in Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. And all the people wept, and the king sang a lament over Abner, saying, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, nor your feet put into fetters. As a man falls before the wicked, before wicked men, so you fail. And all the people wept over him again. And when all the people came to persuade David to eat food while it was day, David took an oath, saying, God do so to me. And more also, if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down. Now all the people took note of it, and it pleased them, since whatever the king did pleased all the people. For all the people and all Israel understood that day that he had not been the king's intent to kill Abner, the son of Ner. Then the king said to his servants, Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day to Israel? And I am weak today. Though anointed king, and these men, the son of Zeruiah, are too harsh for me, the Lord shall repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. Second Samuel chapter 4. When Saul's son heard that Abner had died in Hebron, he lost heart, and all Israel was troubled. Now Saul's son had two men who were captains of troops. The name of one was Baana, and the and the name of the other was Rechab, the son of Ramon, the Berothite, of the children of Benjamin. For Beroth also was part of Benjamin, because the Berothites fled from Gitaim and had been sojourners there until this day. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who had lame feet. Let me, re let me read that one more time. Sorry for that. Uh, verse 4, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. <laughs> he was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. 
and it happened as he made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. And the sons of Ramon, the Beerothite, Rechab, Baana, set out and came at about the heat of the day to the house of Ishbosheth, who was lying on his bed at noon. And they came there all the way into the house as though to get wheat. And they stabbed him in the stomach. Then Rechab and Baana, his brother, escaped. When they came into the house, he was lying on his bed in his bedroom. Then they struck him and killed him, beheaded him, and took his head, and were all night escaping through the plain. And they brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron, and said to the king, Here is the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life. And the Lord has avenged my Lord to this day of Saul and his descendants. But David answered to Rechab and Baina, his son, his brother, the sons of Ramon, the Berethite, and said to them, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from adversity, when someone told me, saying, Saul is dead, thinking to have brought good news, I arrested him and had him executed in Ziklag, the one who thought it would give him a reward for his news. How much more when wicked men have killed a righteous person in his own house on his bed? Therefore, shall I not require his blood at your hand and remove you from the earth? So David commanded his young men, and they executed them, cut off their hands and feet, and hanged them by the pool of Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the tomb of Abner and Hebron. We'll read five, and we'll be done for today. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also, in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over Israel and Judah. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. And David said on that day, Whoever climbs up the way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, who hated David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore, they say, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. And David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around from Milo and inward. So David went on and became great. And the Lord of hosts was with him. And Haram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David, and cedar trees, and carpenters, and masons, and they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that he exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people over Israel. 
So David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he had come from Hebron. Also, more sons and daughters were born to David. Now these were their names who were born to him in Jerusalem. Shamua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Elif, Elif, Eliphalet. Now when the Philistines heard that day that they anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Raphaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal Perizim, and David defeated them there, and said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perizim. And they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. Then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, and he said to them, You shall not go up, circle around from behind them, come upon them in, foot of the, mul in, in the front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, you shall advance quickly. When the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him. And he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. The word of God. We're going to stop at 2 Samuel chapter 5. And... Um, I just want to spend a few minutes reflecting with you all. I don't know how much time I have. For those of you who don't know, I am in San Diego. I'm at a, a retreat facility with a group of leaders, global leaders, who have come together for a time of refreshing and a time of uh, impartation and, and community. And so it's, it's really cool just to see some, some of the most influential uh, people of great influence and in the space for the kingdom and for the gospel coming together and just to encourage one another. So it's, it's really cool um, to see that we're all here and, and we're being poured into, which is important because again, you can't pour out of an empty cup. And so I love that, you know, we, we have these things that we do together and that there are those who have invested heavily into making that a reality. So, um, so this is a great time that I'm, I'm spending here. Um, now here's my thing. And, you know, for those of you who are on the West Coast, man, a shout out to you. I'm just going to let y'all know right now. Shout out to you all. Um, it's Yes, it's 525 over here. And so for those of you on the West Coast who commit to this every day, man, listen, shout out to all of y'all, okay? Um, you guys are soldiers, man. I, I knew your pain. Now I'm, I'm actually feeling your pain um, to get up and, you know, around 4 a.m. and, you know, get all ready and you know, come out here and do the read and rant with you all. So guys, I, I appreciate you guys. And I appreciate your commitment, um, to come into the read and rant and engaging with us. I'm just so encouraged by you all. Now, with that said, I just want to take a moment since we're only afforded a few moments. I want to take a moment before people start flowing in here to just share a few thoughts about what, um, what the Lord is inspiring me with today. Um, 
Let me see if I can do my best to at least share it a few minutes just to give you a quick thought, a quick reflective thought on this. God is working in your favor. When you've been called by God, when God calls you, he anoints you. When God anoints you, he appoints you. And when God appoints you, he prepares you. He equips you. I'm not afforded a lot of time today to really go through a whole dissertation about the whole purpose of the scripture, because you guys have heard it over and over and over again. And I'm going to be a broken record, and I'm going to iterate it over and over again. This, this, this book that we call the Bible is a story of how God is redeeming humanity and how God is restoring the earth through humanity and that he's doing it. And in, in, and so this story that he's doing it, he's using the story of a people, of a family in humanity to bring restoration to all of humanity and in bringing restoration to all of humanity. He's making all things new in the restoration of the earth, the coming of his kingdom. Coming of his kingdom is his rule and his justice over the world. We've been reading this through Genesis, that this is a thread of a story. This is a thread of a story. And so when God has something that he's intending to do, from the beginning, we're seeing how God sets aside certain individuals, Abraham, who is now fathering this family, who becomes now the nation of Israel, Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel, Israel now, who has 12 sons. Those 12 sons become the 12 tribes. These 12 tribes become 12 families. These 12 families now all together become a nation, which we call the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. And then we see over time that even though these people continue to fail, God was still going to execute his promise through these people. He's executing the promise through these chosen people. He's he's chosen people along the way to execute that promise. He chose Moses to execute the promise by taking the people out of Egyptian oppression and to lead them through the wilderness into now Canaan, this land that was promised to them. They go into Canaan and they've they've won victory in Canaan. They've and now that they've established that territory as their own territory, God wanted them to rule in the way that he ruled. That was the whole purpose of the law. He did not give the law as a rule book for how Christians are supposed to live in order to go to heaven. The Ten Commandments were not books of rules about how Christians are supposed to live to go to heaven. The Mosaic Law, they're not laws that were written to teach you how to go to heaven. These are the things you must do to go to heaven. So many people have read it that way. So many people have read scripture that way. So many people have have read Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and they read it as if these are laws for Christians to go to heaven. No, these were laws given to the children of Israel to teach them how to rule over the earth to bring God's kingdom on earth. He was calling them. He was setting them aside to show the world what God was like. Now, here's what's interesting about it is that these people continue to fail over and over again. And so God superimposed in the law the atonement that they would be sacrificed, and that sacrifice would give them permission to go back into the presence of a holy God, giving them now access back into the presence of a holy God, that through the blood sacrifice, that they can now have access back to God. God was already superimposing the backup plan for a bunch of people who he called and set aside who would screw it up. 
And even though they screwed it up over and over and over again, they had a way of repairing it over and over and over again. And that was the sacrifice. That was a sacrificial law that God instituted again. The sacrificial law was intended for the children of Israel because God needed to be present among them in order to execute his righteousness and his justice on earth. I say that because this is important that God is writing a story for all of humanity. This was always about God. This was never about us. This was always about God being glorified. This was never about us. And we know how the story ends. It eventually ends in Yeshua. It eventually ends in Jesus. But even though it ends in Jesus, at this point, we're still in this tension. They don't have Jesus. We do. We've got something actually better than they do. We don't have the sacrificial law. We, we have Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the fulfillment of what God was looking to accomplish through these people. But since Jesus is not here yet, God is putting some things into action. Because Jesus is in here, God is working his justice, his history, his righteousness, his story. He's working it through these people. And among those people, he's setting people aside. Saul was not God's choice. Saul was the people's choice. And we saw what happened with Saul, that when Saul came into the land and these people continued to, continued to fail, they asked for a king. The prophet Samuel anointed Saul, but Saul was the people's choice because Saul looked the part. Saul acted the part. Saul looked like what they had seen all around them. Isn't it funny how we want to anoint people in pastoral roles and leadership roles? Isn't it funny that the people that we give voice to are the people that are similar to those that we see in the general cultural stream? Isn't it funny how often we like to superimpose on the church what the culture wants. If culture wants this kind of person with this kind of diction, with this kind of articulation, with this kind of swag, then that's the kind of person we should have leading our church as well. And yet, funny thing is, is that God doesn't really appoint people that fit within the cultural stream. As a matter of fact, it's usually the people that are rejected that nobody cares about. Those are the people that God calls. David did not look the part, so much so that even his dad didn't think he was, that when Samuel now was looking for a replacement, he went to Bethlehem. And when he went to Bethlehem, he came with a donkey. And when he came with a donkey, he looked around and he said, and he went to the house of Jesse and, and he knew, okay, this is where I'm going to anoint the next king. And yet he, yet David was the last choice. David was the last choice. And, and the Lord had to even tell the prophet, do not look at what man is looking at. Do not look at his appearance. For the Lord does not look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. Funny how some of the people that God calls are some of the most imp unimpressive people, are the most normal and benign people, are the most... Uh, it's funny how when God calls people, he doesn't call... Um, the most charismatic people. He, 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 didn't, he, he doesn't call the most, uh, the ones who got it all together, who looked the part. God calls the people that often people ignore. David was ignored. Uh, but he was a man after God's own heart. Some of us were looking to fit apart, to dress apart, to act apart, to be in a position, to, to look apart, to do, and not realizing that all we're doing is we're trying to create another Saul that people can love and exalt. Yet God did not want a Saul. God wanted a David. A man who was after God's own heart. And man, we're going to be reading all through this how David continually falls short. But God is working something through David. Because, because, because God has something bigger than David that's happening. There's something bigger than David that's happening. We're going to be reading all through this. We know what the bigger thing is. Just go to Matthew. <laughs> we know what the bigger thing is, but there's something bigger than David coming. 
There's something bigger than David happening. And because there's something bigger than David, God's going to work it out through David. It's funny when you've submitted to the will of God and when God wields his will through you, you can mess it up, fall short. You can find yourself not sure if you're equipped and able and capable, and yet God still does it through you. I say that to say, and it's really a word of encouragement for me today, and then we're going to get to my main point, then I'm done. But it's a word of encouragement for me today, even as I'm in this space with all these leaders who have all these big platforms. I've always asked myself, like, what am I doing here? Um, I wrestle even now as my platform continues to grow, and I wrestle with, well, who am I? I'm, I'm, I'm no one to be impressed by. Um, I don't feel like I have the communication ability, the ability to communicate the gospel well. And I don't, and I'm always looking at my shortcomings and my misgivings, and I'm looking at the things that I can't do and the things that I don't have. And, and I often find myself looking at what I'm able and unable to do as if those things actually matter to God. And I'm realizing now that God keeps putting me in these platforms and he's keep, he elevates me in these places, not because of my dashing good looks, not because, not because of my oratory ability. It's not because of, you know, because I'm six foot five, tall, dark, and handsome. I'm not even six foot five, y'all. Okay. Not even six foot. <laughs> it's not because of my looks. It's not because of my, my, my oratory ability. It's not because of my education and my background. It's because I'm a man after God's own heart. And, 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 and it puts me in a really, really peculiar place because now what keeps me here it's not how brilliant my strategies are or how capable I am or how great my understanding is of Scripture. No, no, no. What keeps me here is the fact that I, I love Him and I need Him and I desire Him to continue to move and to work through me. I'm nothing without Him. I say that to say to you that if it wasn't for God working through me, my wife will be the first person to tell you, there's really not, not very much that's impressive about this guy. <laughs> um, and yet somehow these little things that God is doing is producing so much. It's, it's God working things behind the scenes. I say that to you because when you are anointed by God, you get appointed to the role that God puts you in. God also equips you 
You're anointed, you're appointed, but you're also equipped for where God's taking you next. I say that because it's something that I'm reading through these three chapters as I've read it with you, three, four, and five, as we've read it together, is that David is winning, not by his own volition, not by his own power, not by his own ability, but by the working of God through him, because whatever is happening in David's life is bigger than David. And until you submit to the fact that whatever I'm, whatever the Lord is doing through me, until you come to an understanding that what God is doing through me is bigger than me, you suffocate your dependence on him and you suffocate the flow. You prohibit the flow and the power of God to work through you. I say this because I'm looking at this text. For those of you who've been reading up to this point, Saul has died in battle. David has become king over Judah. Judah is just two tribes. The nation of Israel has been split. You've got the 10 tribes in the north, who Saul's, the, the remnants of Saul's family now, they're leading those 10 tribes in the north. That's what we read early um, in, in the previous chapters. And then you have the two tribes in the south. And so now David is overseeing those two tribes. And so he's leading over Judah. But Israel has been split in these, into these two, you can call them nations. You have the nation of Israel, those 10 tribes, and then you have the two tribes down south, Judah. David is over Judah, and yet David is looking to reunite Judah and Israel, that it would become one nation again. And he knows he's been anointed because he knows that there was the place when he was the shepherd boy and he was ignored, that oil was poured upon him. Oh, Maddie, you asked a really good question. Explain how the Ugaritic gods became Israel's. The Ugaritic gods didn't become Israel's, but I, there is Ugaritic influence in the, in the understanding of Yahweh, God, and Elohim. Love that you brought that up. It looks like you've been reading reading some stuff. Um, but some texts are actually incorrect about uh, the Ugaritic influence on um, Israelite and Hebrew doctrine. Anyway, um, so some of it is misguided. So anyway, going back to what I was saying, sorry, I just thought that that's the first time I've never heard anybody bring up Ugarit. And so that's really cool that you just brought that up. Um, so anyway, um, uh, going back to what I was saying, um, maybe we'll do a Bible study on that. <laughs> um, guys, I, I love, so this is a quick side note for those of you who are here. Um, just a quick side note, and then I'm going to close with my thought. But a uh, quick side note, <clears throat> um, I'm so excited about what the Lord is doing through the ministry now. I'm so excited about it. And the reason why I'm excited is that you guys are now, be, I'm, there's more of you becoming patrons. And the more of you that become patrons of what we're doing here together, it gives me the capacity to be able to push some things to the side and to focus more and more on creating content, having more sessions with you all. Um, for those of you who, are, who, who don't know what I'm talking about, last week I made a call, last Friday, um, I made a call for you guys to become patrons, and some of you, and a lot of you guys responded. And so I believe we're half of the way through where we're going to be able to do weekly Bible studies. And so once 
the more of you that support and become patrons, if you want to learn how to become a patron, you can go to the link in my bio and just click uh, and click become a patron and becoming a patron. I stay connected with you guys there and I I'll be posting up links for Zoom meetings, for study sessions, for opportunities for you guys to come. And we, we we're going to do some deeper dives in there. And so I'm just excited because we are we're 50 percent. Uh, we're halfway in right now. And so, um, and at, no, I believe now we're at 51%. So we're getting closer and closer, um, to the first tier. And as the tiers grow, I'll be able to focus more and more on this, on what we're doing here. And so I just, I thank everyone who's supporting. Uh, thank you all. It's a $10 a month donation. So thank you all for, for those of you who are committing to that. God bless you. You guys are providing the fuel and the resource for us to continue to do this moving forward. So thank you so much. And I appreciate that. Um, but anyway, going back to what I was saying, um, when you have been called by God and God is working out something bigger than you, he equips you because he's chosen you, but he often does some things in the background for you. He works on your behalf in times that you know and do not know. He works on your behalf in times that you are aware and unaware. And yet almost everything that he does, he does it behind the scenes. Have you noticed, family? I know this sounds a little weird. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it down to the ground. But have you noticed in your life right now, think of the greatest destiny things that have happened in your life. Like some of the greatest moments, the biggest shifts in your life. Think of some of the most important things in your life. Think of who you got married to. Think of some of the, the person that you're married to, the children that you have. Think about the job that you're in. Think about the career that you're in. Think about, think about all the things in your life that are value and substance. Just think about all that right now. Think about your status, your promotions. Think about all that stuff. If you can go back and look what I pray and hope that you realize is that you had very little to do with any of those things. Sink on that. There are those of you who have been blessed in, with wealth and finance. You didn't do anything for that. There are those of you who started businesses that have now succeeded and are now step you're expanding and, and now you're scaling and you're moving. Just think about this for a moment. You had nothing to do with that. There's some of you that God has given these platforms. There's some of you who are on TikTok, you're 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 blue check influencers. And and all of a sudden people are asking you, what did you do? And here you are giving strategy about what you did, but the reality is it had nothing to do with you. Here you are, right? You know, the person that you got married, the career that you chose, the job that you're in. How much of it was you? How much of it was you? I look at David and this man who's been anointed by God since he was a shepherd boy. We find David now in this text where Israel and Judah are separated. He's, he's leading over the house of Judah because they permit him to do so. Saul's family is looking to overtake him. David could respond 
with military power. He could respond with treachery. He can do the Game of Thrones thing that we saw in Judges. He could have done all of that, but David remained honorable to God. He committed to God. He was a man of integrity and humility. And because of his integrity and humility, rather than killing Saul's sons, rather than destroying Saul's family, rather than going back, David just sat back. And behind the scenes, we see Saul's family imploding on each other. And we see others who were in support of David, who are going on in the back, uh, behind the scenes, to handle and administrate David's transition into becoming a king. David had people who were on his behalf fighting for him to take on the role. And yet David wasn't pushing. As a matter of fact, at one point, we see where Ishbosheth was killed, who was a member of Saul's family, who was an enemy of David. And the person who killed Ishbosheth, David killed that person for dishonoring Saul's family. Up to this point, David is doing very little. Yes, he's fighting, and yes, he's got his army, and yes, he's he, he's working things, and yes, he's putting work in. Yes, he's doing all of that. But have you noticed that David is elevating by nothing that he's doing? You can see how God is at work behind the scenes to put David on the throne. When we get to 2 Samuel chapter 5, we see David now reigning over all of Israel. But David didn't have to cheat. He didn't have to lie. He didn't have to play games. He didn't have to hustle his way through. David just fulfilled his role in the space that he was in, and God put him where he needed him to be because David is not operating on his kingdom. He's operating with a mindset for the kingdom. Because he was a man after God's own heart, David is very, very much aware that his life is about more than him. His life is about something greater and bigger than him. So I'm closing to say, because I see some people about to flow in, I'm closing to say that God can work through you when you submit to the reality that what he's doing through you is bigger than you. God wants to move through you because God is still finishing his story through his people, his chosen people who now have been chosen by faith. God wants to flow through you. You have to submit to him. Be a man after God's own heart. Be a woman after God's own heart. Seek his face. Desire him. Seek his kingdom, not your kingdom. See, seek, seek the thing that's bigger than you, not you. None of this is about you. The life that you're living right now is not about you. The promotion that you got, your job is not about you. The kids that you're raising, they're not about you. Oh no, you're, you're getting all these victories, but these victories are not about you. 
The battles that you fight are not for you. That's why they're the Lord's being this never, it was never about you. The promotions, the, the opportunities that God's going to give you in business is not about you. Your ministry is not about you. Your platform is not about you. TikTok. Sure, I have five, almost 500,000 followers. Guess what? It's not about me. It's not about me. The Lord can take this away. This is about Him. Your platform is growing. It's not about you. Get over yourself. You know, a lot of times we stress about life, and I'm just working through at the end of this, but we see David elevating to king, and yet, what has David done to get here? David slew the giant. He became famous. He did this. He did that. Did the scriptures not say it was the spirit of God that was upon him? Do you not realize, and I hope you guys are seeing this, that there's a bigger story here. This wasn't about, this whole story is actually not about David. It's not about you. Get over yourself. Man, God can use us. God can use us if we would just get over ourselves. The things that God can do through us, if we would just shut up and get over ourselves. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom. Are you, are you seeking the kingdom in your home? Or are you just trying to live the idyllic family life? There are those of you who have been blessed with your wealth. Your wealth was not about you. It was about God's glory through your wealth. You know, um, the gifting. Some of you have been given platforms, athletic ability. I already see it even on here. There's some athletes. I'm just going to, I don't know why, but the Lord wants me to speak to the influencers today. The, the, the influencers, those who are in the influential spaces, the ones who are in the arts, the ones who are who are who, who are people of great influence in your space. Look back at your life. How did you get here? The basketball player right now that's watching. How did you get here? How did you get here? What, you got here because you worked hard? No, you got here because the Lord has given you the grace to be able to do something that goes way bigger than you, that's beyond you. He wants to use your platform and your ability. And notice how God elevates those who seek his glory through what it is that they do. There are people here who have great wealth. How did you get there? I worked hard. No, yes, everybody works hard. <laughs> I always say that, you know, and, and, and please don't get angry at me, okay? Because I don't want to diminish your genius, but who gave you that genius? I don't, I don't want to diminish your brilliance. Who gave you the brilliance? I, I, I don't want to diminish the hard work that you put into what it is you put into, but who, who blessed it? Because guess what? We live in a world where everyone's working hard. <laughs> there are people right now who work five jobs. Spoke to somebody who messaged me that, that she's working five jobs to keep her home and to pay her bills. No, no, no. It wasn't hard work. We got to get out of this mindset. I worked hard, and that's where my success came from. No. 
The Lord has given you grace. And no, you shouldn't feel guilty for that. That's called favor. The Lord has favored you. And he's blessed you with, with wealth and success. He's not saying let go of all the wealth and all the success and throw it all away because, you know, Christians shouldn't be rich and shouldn't be successful. No, but what is your success for? What's the end of it? Is it your family name? What's the end of it? Is it, is it your title? What's the end of it? Trophies? What's the end of it? Industries and money and more money and then more money and then more money? What's the end of it? It should be the kingdom. God wants to use you to establish the kingdom. This life you live is bigger than you. You've been favored by God because you've been chosen by God. You've been chosen by God because you've been anointed by God. You've been anointed by God to accomplish something bigger than you. God wants to use you to bring the kingdom of God on earth. I'm going to title this episode, It's Bigger Than You. David is seeing all this success. David now reigns over Israel. And yet when you look at the story, you'll see God was working whole bunch of things in the background. David didn't have to lie to no one, cheat to no one, didn't do anything. It just was all God was setting the path. So notice in your life today how God is setting the path for you. And when you know that God is writing the story and God is setting the path, man, it starts to, it's the, the, the anxiety begins to subside. Man, you, you become more, okay. I hear you, Lord. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I'm trusting you in this season because what God's doing through you is bigger than you. Your suffering is bigger than you. Your suffering is bigger than you. Your failures are bigger than you. Um, I'm going to say one thing because I feel like the Lord is leading me to speak to someone who has a restaurant someone with a restaurant and this week you're you're looking to throw in the towel this week and there's a deep 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 sense of failure you uh i don't know if you're a chef or a restaurant owner but someone who who uh you run a restaurant and even after COVID, um, you've seen a lot of good business, but you, you also see that you can't hold on to it and you feel like failure. The Lord wants you to know today that what he's done through you is bigger than you. He wants you to give the restaurant to him. Your restaurant is part of his kingdom. He says, I want you to give the restaurant to me. Let it go. Um, he wants you to let it go. So let it go. 
He wants you to let it go. He wants you to give it to him. I know, I know where your mind's going right now. Your mind's like, wait, so, so are you, are you saying to me right now that I need to file for bankruptcy? Are you saying right now that I need to shut it down? Are you saying I need to close it? You're asking the wrong questions. I'm saying to you, you need to let it go. You, you keep, you're not able to be inspired by vision and purpose. You're not able to see where this thing needs to go next. And you've been stuck in your creativity because you've been holding it with a death grip. Don't just loosen your grip, let it go. That's it. Let it go. Then you'll know where the Lord wants to take it next. God bless you guys. Love you all. And um, we're going to continue this. Um, we'll, we'll be in, in 2 Samuel 6. And so I just want to encourage you all in that. Uh, we're going to keep reading. We're going to keep ranting. And again, guys, check the link in the bio. All right. Love y'all. Peace out.